Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I-Venison.com. And use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Correlation does not equal causation. Mm. So just because you can outhoot a turkey call does not mean that that causes you to be a good hunter. If you go out with a guy turkey hunting and he rears back and outhoots with his mouth or crow calls with his mouth, what does that tell you about that guy? He's, he's authentic. He's a real yeah. hunter, right? He's a real deal. On this episode of the Bear Grease podcast, we're going to explore a communication technique as old as mankind using the voice to mimic animal sounds. I'm trying to understand why humans do this, how it's advantageous for hunting, and how natural voice calling has embedded itself into our culture. We're going to talk to the first person I ever heard owl hoot with their mouth, a PhD who's an expert on understanding correlations, an expert on the human voice, and we're going to have a conversation with the world's most decorated natural voice turkey caller, who's called turkeys on the David Letterman Show and the Tonight Show. Going to be a fun ride. You are a very effective owl hooter. From a competitive standpoint, get off stage. My name is Clay Newcomb, and this is the Bear Grease Podcast, where we'll explore things forgotten but relevant, search for insight in unlikely places, and where we'll tell the story of Americans who live their lives close to the land. Mimicking animal sounds to communicate with the natural world is as old as the hunt, And hunting is as old as mankind. Part of human uniqueness as compared to other animals 
is our ability to use our brains to conjure extremely varied strategies to acquire food. A small part of the equation is our ability to mimic animal sound, and there are many reasons why we do this. Humans mimic owls, turkeys, crows, squirrels, quail, white-tailed deer, coyotes, and even hawks. These sounds are used in multiple applications. One would be to communicate with other humans in incognito ways so that other animals aren't alerted to human presence. You know, like a human making some type of bird call to let his partner know that he's made it to a certain location. Secondly, human hunters mimic the sounds made by the animals they're hunting in hopes of drawing them into striking distance. These are typically sexually based calls or territorial calls. Elk and turkey would be great examples of this. Thirdly, there are relationships between animals of different species that evoke predictable responses when the call of the other is made. The best example of this would be shock gobbling a turkey. This is when a breeding crazed male turkey will gobble at just about any loud sound in the woods, including owls, woodpeckers, and crows, even though his breeding has nothing to do with those animals. Another example of this would be the calm feeding sounds of one species could indicate to other animals of a different species that everything in that section of the woods is okay. Basically, it'd be like saying there are no predators over here because I'm calm and relaxed. A good example of this would be like a hen turkey making content feeding calls that would calm an approaching deer. I'll never forget the first time I heard someone hoot like a barred owl. You're about to meet my friend Josh Lunsford. Josh is a lanky cowboy type with a firm handshake and a strong eye gate. But he's a corporate executive in the communication business, and he's a veteran turkey hunter and woodsman. It may sound funny, but the first time I heard Josh Alhoot with his mouth, it impacted me. I didn't know people could do that, and I never forgot it. So, Josh, me and you, we're, we, we grew up together. That's right. But I, the first time we ever went hunting together was when I was in college. And I remember telling one of our mutual friends, I was like, man, I'm going turkey hunting in the morning. And he said, well, I can't go, but Josh is going. And so I called you and we said, hey, well, let's go together. And so we went to a place that both of us knew, some public land. We walked, I, 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 presumably we rode together in a truck. This was... 20 years ago. So we we get out, we walk back in there before daylight. It was a place with a lot of birds at the time. I'd only turkey hunted with my dad my whole life, never hunted with another turkey hunter. Mm -hmm. And I remember it got just about daylight. I mean, just, you know, the birds started chirping and uh, you didn't say anything to me. We were knelt down on the ground and you stood up and just, oh, you you let out a big owl hoot. And I remember being so impressed. I was just like, Holy moly. I'd never heard anybody out hoot with their mouth. And you didn't think anything of it. You out hoot and a turkey gobbled way over on the ridge. And we chased them around. We never killed one that day. So right. I, I want to hear your out hoot to see if I remember it like I remember it that day. Absolutely, Clay. So, um, and you know, and just in just one note, right? Mutual friends, I had learned it from them. So you, you hunted with, uh, 
with our friends Scott and Andy. That's right. Did they ever formally teach you, no. or did they? Just, they were just like. You know, it's one of those things where you're hunting with people and you witness them doing something and you want to get better at it and you want to use it the way they did. You know, I grew up using it to find someone in the woods, not actually use it as a location call. Mm. And so that was how I learned to use it as a locator call and how it could be so instrumental into making you more successful turkey hunting, right? Um, Yeah, I absolutely do it for you. Um, You can probably do it as good as I can these days. Um, But... Sounds just like I remember it. That's good. <laughs> if you go out with a guy turkey hunting and he rears back and owl hoots with his mouth or crow calls with his mouth, what does that tell you about that guy? He's taking the time to invest in being better at the sport, right? He's yeah. not he's not just just purchased his way into the sport by buying all the gadgets. Yeah. Right. He's, he's authentic. He's a, he's a real, um, he's a real yeah. hunter, right. He's a real deal, you know? And, and, and what I'll tell you is, yeah, has it made me more successful in a lot of different ways, Clay? And the simple fact that I don't have to carry as much stuff. Yep. I don't, I don't own an owl hoot. Yep. I don't own a crow call. I, I don't own a box call. I own a yep. couple, I own a couple diaphragm calls and a slate call. Let me ask you this. Do you ever owl hoot not in a turkey situation? Would anything happen in this living room where Josh Lunsford would owl hoot? Uh, yeah, when the hogs win. <laughs> That's it. That's it. He's talking about the Arkansas Razorbacks. I'm sure you've heard of them. As intriguing as the social communication mechanisms of the natural world are, I may be even more interested in something quite strange that I've taken note of in Southern culture. And maybe it's other places. I can't say for sure. But it's this. There's a lot of street cred and social status that comes with being a hunter that can make good natural voice calls. Why? People that can mimic the hoot of a barred owl are usually good woodsmen. Let me take it a step further. They're usually good turkey hunters. To a hunter, this may seem like a no-brainer, but if you think about it, it's kind of strange. You see, a barred owl is a nocturnal avian predator, usually not weighing more than five pounds. It makes its living off of small rodents. A wild turkey is a large bird weighing up to 30 pounds that spends the majority of its life walking around eating insects, nuts, and green browse off the ground. The only things these animals have in common is they got a pair of wings and they roughly inhabit the same geographic areas. But I will suggest that if you were looking for a surefire and quick way to find a good turkey hunter, you could start by asking to hear their owl hoot. Hmm. However, the water gets really muddy right here and even more complex because this is a dynamic correlation that I'm suggesting because it is possible to be a good turkey hunter and not be able to owl hoot. Wait a minute. I'm getting confused. You know what we need? We need somebody that knows about correlations to explain what this means. Dr. Malachi Nichols is an economist, and he's the director of evaluation and data quality for an education-focused nonprofit. Maybe he can help us sort this out. Dr. Nichols, I am trying to understand correlations. Mm -hmm. Because it's very clear to me 
that I make correlations all the time. Right. I don't fully understand the mechanisms of them, but I find them to be like really predictable. Right. So help me understand the the connection that I very clearly see between people that can out-hoot very well with their mouth and their ability to be good woodsmen. Yeah. What what's the connection that I'm seeing there? Yeah. You know, I, I would I would take it one step back and say as a researcher, like this is a social science question, mm. right? It's just the study of human behavior. The statistical tool that we use is, is correlations. And, si- and simply put, a correlation is just quantifying the strength and the direction of a relationship between two things. So if A moves, how does B move? So if there are weak correlations mm-hmm. and strong correlations, mm-hmm. how do I tell the difference? And is there a is there a terminology that would describe a correlation that, that isn't a legit correlation? Yeah. And when I think of one that isn't, I'm thinking about spurious correlations. Mm. And spurious correlations are, are correlations that appear statistically to be related, but if you look at the context, there's no relation. No relation. No. What's, an exa- what's a good example of a spurious co- correlation? Yeah, so I'm, looking, I'm thinking about data in the 80s and 90s of an increased use of people wearing seatbelts was associated or related to a decrease in astronauts dying in space, right? <laughs> so statistically, it was a true statement, right? Yeah. but really there was no connection yeah. between the two no things. No connection at all. That's the power and also the, the hardship of statistics and data. So in my situation right. where I'm seeing a correlation between a person's ability to out-hoot or mimic natural sounds and then they're jumping to their general overall ability to be an effective hunter... I see this strong correlation. Okay. Mm -hmm. But inside this same situation, you don't have to be an owl hooter to be a good hunter. What it, what does that mean? Like if if it's there's for sure a correlation, yeah. but it doesn't always have to be yeah. there. Yeah. And and what you're describing is that it's a something that we say in, in our world is that correlation does not equal causation. Mm. So just because you can owl hoot a turkey call does not mean that that causes you to be a good hunter. It doesn't, it's not caused. It's just, it happens to have a relationship. Right. And so therefore you have outliers. Therefore you have people who are good hunters that can't turkey call or can't out hoot. And it just says, this is a correlation. There's a relationship, but there's other factors that cause you to be a good hunter. Do we use correlations constantly and don't even realize it? Oh yeah. It's association. It's, it's, again, going back to the aspect, this is a social science question, right? The study of human behavior. And so we're always, as human beings, trying to make connections. You know, it, it's really like a shortcut. Yeah, yeah. Like, if I hear you, Al Hoot, you don't have to tell me your story. Yeah. I know a lot of uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. So it's like a, it's like a social yeah. shortcut. Yeah. If there were, uh, I want you to guess for me. So if I had 10 people lined up in a line and I went through the line in a blind test and had them out hoot, and then I made judgments on their experience in hunting, mm-hmm. do you have any predictions on how often I would be right? Probably 50% of the time. Do you think 50%? <laughs> yeah, 50%. I think 80%, Dr. <laughs> Malachi Nichols. Okay, last thing here. Do you do you know the, the, the cadence of a barred owl hoot? I have no idea. Okay, I'm gonna do it for okay, you. Yeah, yeah. And then I wanna hear you I wanna okay. hear your barred yeah, owl hoot. Okay. okay. So this is the hoot of a barred owl. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, here we go. Okay, here so we it's go. a it's a who cooks for you, who cooks for you all. 
You may not be an experienced hunter, but you're headed that direction. Yeah, you can in, get there. I'm in the right direction. Now that we've got all that sorted out, I want to introduce you to some of the voices in my world that all fit the correlation that I've so strongly identified. I don't ever remember not knowing Steve Phillips. He's a good friend of my dad's and family's, and he's always had an incredible knack for using his voice to mimic animal sounds. The guy is simply gifted. And wouldn't you know it, he's a heck of a woodsman too. When did you start mouth calling, just using your natural voice? I started mouth calling using my natural voice probably about 76 or 77. I didn't start turkey hunting until the late 80s. Right. But Kathy and I lived out across the street from a guy that was like old McDonald's farm. I mean, he had every kind of animal. And he even had wild turkey. He had one gobbler, and he had like four hens. And so I'd sit out on the lawn chair out on the front yard, and I'd listen to them hens, and I would listen to them, and he'd gobble and listen to them. So mm. I started practicing mimicking those hens and the calls that they would make to make him gobble. Just with your mouth? Just with my Just mouth. Just messing around? Yeah, never put a diaphragm, any kind of slate call, didn't know what they were, didn't yeah. turkey hunt. So I just started messing around. And so I got to where I could walk out on the front yard any morning and call, and he'd gobble. Then in about the late 80s, I got asked by a guy, he asked me if I wanted to go turkey hunting. And I said, well, you know, I don't know. How is turkey hunting? What do you do? And he said, well, you need to get a diaphragm call. And I said, well, I'll go. I can call him with my mouth. And he <laughs> assured me I probably couldn't. So he took before daylight and he turned me out. And, and uh, he said that he knew there were some turkeys in there. And he actually told me what I needed to do. You know, he said, pull in on top of the mountain, listen till you hear one, and try to get as close to it as you can, and, and then make your call. I said, okay. So we went, got on the mountain, heard the turkey gobble. I got in what I thought was rather close, made my mouth call. He answered me. I just sit there a little bit, and before I knew it, he gobbled right below me. I called him again, and here he came in. I shot him and killed him, went back to the truck within probably an hour and a half. And I thought, you know, there's nothing to this turkey hunt. Little did I know there was a lot to turkey hunting. Andy Brown, who's a good friend mm-hmm. of yours, he taught me everything I know about turkey hunting. He taught me, you know, what to do, when to do. And so I took it to the next level. I practiced all the time learning how to call. Let's hear your calls. Yeah, I usually use two different locator calls. Uh, early morning is the owl call. We'll, we'll do an owl call when I first get out right, right before daylight, you know, while it's still dark. I'll usually get out and I'll... And then you can also sometimes during, if you get two or three owls, I know you've heard two or three owls come in. Yeah. That really gets a turkey really fired up. You can, and that will get them really get them fired laughing. Up. Get them laughing. And then later on, you know, in the morning or something during the day, I use a crow call. And so I learned how to make do a crow call with just mm. my mouth, not a crow call. Ah, 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 
Okay, now what I know you for, well, I know know you for your crow calling, your owl calling. There's, there's, there's two of them. Hit him again. It's, this crow's lit in the tree about 50 shotgun range from yeah. us if you got a turkey choke on. Yeah. <laughs> I wish you'd call. All right, let me hear your, your turkey call. Okay. As you well know, you know, your your regular yelp call, that's what I use the most. But when a turkey gets in close, you know, what do you usually hear when turkeys get in if hens are in? They're not calling real loud. They're doing more of a purring and just yeah. a talking. And I will hit him with a... And then I'll slow down a little bit when they get in closer and all this. That sounds really good. Sounds really good. Most people can't call that good with a diaphragm. Okay, here's here's my question for you. Do you see a correlation between people that can natural voice call and people that are really good woodsmen? Yes, I do. Let me tell you this. I think there's two kind of turkey hunters. There's a caller, and then there's a turkey killer. And I consider myself a turkey killer. I'm not the best caller in the woods. You've got guys that go to these contests, and, I mean, they're really good. I think, personally, that the call is about maybe 15%, but I think the setup and location and how you set up on a turkey determines whether you're going to kill that turkey or not. To me... I've always said that somebody that can call with their voice has a lot of street cred in my book. So uh, you got some street cred, man. Show me, show me your squirrel bark. <laughs> That's good. Try to call those crows in. I heard him call a while ago. That's awesome. Do you ever use a owl hoot or anything for something other than a functional turkey locator? We as hunters, <laughs> as a group of hunters, as you know, uh, you know, we, we do use an owl hoot. I can actually pick out like Andy and Wayne and Scott, you know, your different tones. I can tell when they're hooting. They can tell when I owl hoot. Yeah. You know, they, they learn that sound. So if we're ready to get down out of the woods or ready to leave, yeah. or if we kill something, we'll owl hoot. Do you, do you ever do it when you're not hunting? Do you, no, like do, like, like um, something good happens at the yeah, house and you're like, or, woohoo! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, we, we get out and you, we'll owl hoot out at the house when something's going So what, what does it mean when Steve Phillips owl hoots not in the woods? Like, what, what's, give me an example of something that's happened. Why would you owl hoot? Usually, usually if something good, you know, has happened, I might be out in the backyard and, and uh, one of the kids have done something, I'll, sometimes I'll throw an owl hoot at <laughs> You know, they think I'm crazy. So it's a, anyway. it's a celebratory. <laughs> it's a celebratory thing. There yeah. you go. There you go. Exactly. As a parent, nothing keeps me up at night more than the idea of something happening to my children. But if something happens to me and I'm not around to protect them, that's a true nightmare. Having term life insurance for myself is crucial because I can rest easier knowing my children and loved ones can have some financial support even if I'm not there. That's where Fabric by Gerber Life comes in. Having life insurance just gives me that extra 
confidence throughout the day, knowing that my family will be financially cared for if something bad happened to me. Fabric by Gerber Life is term life insurance you can get done right here, right now. You can be covered from your couch in under 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash bear. That's meetfabric.com slash bear. M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash bear. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? Give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. She'll love looking back on these memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating mom's frame with new photos, so it's the gift that keeps on giving. And this is not a joke. Juju Nukem has an Aura frame, and we share photos, and they're incredible. Also, my mother-in-law has one. We have them. They truly are really good, really high quality. The Aura frame is easy to set up. It takes just two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app. It also adjusts the display depending on light levels in the room to maintain the true color of your photos. For real, the digital screen is amazing. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame when you use code BEAR, B-E-A-R, BEAR. That's AuraFrames.com. Use code BEAR at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Whitetail Institute launched the food plot revolution in 1988 with a concentration on research and real-world testing of forage products specifically for whitetail deer. Whitetail Institute's research and development team of agronomy experts provide effective, personalized service. I've been using Imperial Whitetail Clover for a long time in a food plot back behind my house. In 2007, I killed the biggest buck of my life over an Imperial Whitetail Clover small quarter-acre food plot. Imperial Whitetail Clover is the only clover scientifically developed through years of selective breeding. Clover Extreme Genetic Stability provides extreme cold tolerance, disease, and drought tolerance. It really does. Clover is coated with Whitetail Institute's Rain Bond, a polymer coating added for enhanced seedling survivability. They have an exclusive offer for Bear Grease listeners, 15% off Imperial Clover when you use the code BEAR at whitetailinstitute.com. That's whitetailinstitute.com and use code BEAR for 15% off. It was zero surprise to me when I learned that Mo Shepard had a good owl and crow call. The guy is a turkey hunter's turkey hunter. He's been successful year after year on some tough public ground, and a spring hasn't passed in the last 45 years when he hadn't brought home a spring gobbler. He's got a unique technique for prepping his voice to make the hoot of a barred owl. Meet Mo Shepard. So you, I know you owl hoot because I've heard you do it before, but you also crow call with your voice. Yes, I do. I do. I do it a lot with my voice because it's so handy and easy and you don't have to move or anything. You know, I can be sitting there totally still 
And if a turkey hadn't gobbled in a while, but I'm working or something other, I can just call with my voice and, you know, make a... Did anybody teach you or did you just no, learn how to do it? I just learned to do it on my own. Like I said, when I was a kid, I heard all those sounds out in the woods and stuff, but I didn't really try. I tried, but didn't make much success at it. I didn't really learn to owl hoot till I was, I'd probably turkey hunted. Did you hear somebody years. owl hoot? Yes, I, kind of I had a brother-in-law that, that owl hooted. He's the one that got me into turkey hunting, mm. and uh, he was good at owl hooting. Okay, hey, walk good me voice, through. Good voice callers are usually pretty good woodsmen and pretty good hunters. So. Yeah. Okay, walk me through your owl hooting process, because I know you, you kind of have something you do. Like I said, I tried it for years when I was younger, and then one day I, I'd say, seen somebody kind of doing this that I was hunting with, and the best I can remember, he said, you know, he said, you got to get your throat right to make the noise come out right. He said, if you don't, it just blurts out. So I, I kind of swallow some air, if that makes any sense. I swallow air for three or four gulps before I start my hoot, and it gets the right tone in there. Well, let's hear it. And like I said, I'll, you'll probably hear this. You should be able to hear a little bit of this, of me swallowing the air, like I said, I talk uh -huh. about. I don't know what it's called, but you know, crows make a lot of different sounds and lots of different series. Series, of and and you know, sometimes turkeys gobble it a long series. Sometimes they gobble it short calls. You know, just a short blast and stuff. So you know, it's just whatever mode I'm in or what mood I'm in, what I blast out when I do it. But I can do several different cadences of it. So. Old Ryan Greb is an all-around woodsman. From bears to turkeys to catching spring crappie, he's an expert. I've actually never turkey hunted with Ryan, but I knew he had a good owl hoot before I ever heard it. Our ability to make accurate predictions based on correlations is stunning, and it streamlines our ability to make judgments. I want you to meet old Ryan Flintface Greb. He rarely smiles for pictures, so I call him Flint Face. So where where did you learn to use your natural voice to call with? Just growing up and probably hearing some uh, older guys in high school that I knew that were hunters, you know, and they had hunted a few more years than I actually had, and I heard them doing that. What did you hear them do? Owl hoot? Owl hoots, you know, turkey yelping, uh, crow calling, you know, you stuff just like started, that. You just kind of started doing it on your own. There was times I would, you know, when I was younger, I'd sit outside and just at night by myself in the driveway while the family was inside, you know, and I just try to practice. Let me let me hear your, uh, what oh you'd gosh. use on a good spring morning to get a turkey to gobble. I'm not very good at no, oh, come on. No, yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm really not uh, better at crow than I am. Well, I want to hear your owl and your crow. That's good. Crow? Crow. That sounds good, man. <laughs> so, do you... Uh, 
Do you ever use a barred alcohol for anything other than hunting? Like, like, for instance, would there ever be a reason that you would barred alcohol in your house? Uh, maybe to aggravate the wife sometimes. Or uh, do you do you ever alhoot when you're excited about something as a celebratory? Uh, yeah, out of time. What okay? What would what would have to happen in Ryan Grab's life for him to alhoot not at a turkey gobble? Like, give me an example. Oh, catch a three pound crappie. <laughs> <laughs> Benjamin Moore is a New York-based voice and speech teacher where he coaches Broadway, film, and TV actors, as well as diplomats, scientists, and economists at some highfalutin organizations like the United Nations. Benjamin works for the Linkladder Center for Voice and Language and the City University of New York. I've got a feeling that he's got some insight into why humans are so good mimicking animal sounds. Benjamin, I am trying to understand why humans are so dynamic in our ability to mimic. The only animal that I can think of offhand that does this is a mockingbird, but are there other examples in the animal kingdom of animals that can mimic other sounds? There are a lot, but as far as mimicking human speech goes, the only other animals that really do that uh, consistently, there have been some like strange things about seals and even an elephant one time that learned how to say a few words. But mm. but in the animal kingdom, it's birds, it's parrots, parakeets, mm. probably the the king of, of imitating our speech are parakeets. They can learn as many as 400 words. Let me ask you this, Benjamin. If we're so unique in our ability to mimic other animals, what is it from an anatomy and physiology perspective that allows a human to make so much variation in our voice? Um, our larynx and respiratory system is much more sophisticated than any of the other species going. We have a a big range. Most of us in our daily conversation have a couple of octaves of range. With a little bit of training, every one of us can have something more than, than four octaves. So we have this big range from low in the voice to high in the voice. And then on top of that, up above your vocal cords, that tube that comes up from the vocal folds called the pharynx, it mm. goes up, goes up behind the mouth, goes up through the nose. Uh, there's that obviously comes out through the mouth where there's the tongue, the jaw, and the lips. That whole tube has muscles there that not only are good for swallowing food, but also adjust the shape of the vibrations as they come up and out. All of that has this incredible flexibility. We learn it just like the parrots do and the mockingbirds do. We learn most of our sounds through imitation. In all the languages of the world, there's something more than 2,000 sounds that human beings are able to produce. Mm. And every one of us that is normally functioning when we're born can hear and distinguish all those different sounds. Over a period of time, we begin to lose it because it's not useful. And the brain begins to streamline itself for what is a useful communication and what's not. I have one final question for you. I know all these people that are incredible natural voice callers. Why are they so good at this and other people are not? 
Yeah. With the understanding that all of us are born a little bit different, some vocal cords are longer than others, and the shape of the mouth and stuff is always going to be different. The real difference is their interest, their passion in the subject. Mm. Um, Almost everybody can develop a huge range in different ways of speaking. We're just really flexible that way as a species. And we do know that human beings who want to be an expert in something, whether it's a professional athlete or an artist or a, a mechanic, what their passion is, and they say it takes about 10,000 hours to become an expert at something, what their passion is really drives them in a couple of different ways. One is that that emotional framework allows us to marry our intellect with our physical skill sets so that the skill sets just aren't something that the body's doing. There's a real understanding that comes. But also with that passion comes an ability to perceive and really focus in on the details of a situation. Like for these natural callers, they are hearing that turkey in a way that even when I would go out and try to hunt, I was like, I never, I know for sure I'm not hearing a turkey the way Preston is, for instance. And mm. how attuned he is with his ears is like a symphony conductor. So, Benjamin, are you familiar with the hoot of a barred owl? I, I am. Okay. I'm going to hoot like a barred owl, okay? I want you to tell me what I could do better if you can just in one hoot. Here, Here's my owl hoot. I'm going to step back just a little bit. Away, All right. Okay? Give it a go. Oh. That's my owl hoot. Wow, that's great. Once you go up into that high part, ooh, the ooh. tongue is going to want to come up, but you're going to want to try to leave that down so that it's more resonant coming up through mm. through the front part of your face. So try to t- keep my tongue down. I so see what you're going to keep so ooh. the back. Ooh. That's ooh. closer. Ooh. 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 Yeah. Hey, I, man, I, I, how about I, that? I, I pushed my tongue down. I'm, I have to say, I'm impressed, Clay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that today. It's great. Preston Pittman isn't normal. He's one of the best natural voice callers on the continent and certainly the most decorated. After meeting him, it's clear he must have been raised in a clutch of wild turkeys. Anthropomorphism is when we assign animals human-like traits. Zoomorphism is when we assign a human animal-like traits. Preston has been zoomorphized. Or maybe he's just a darn good Mississippi turkey hunter and woodsman. Preston became the Mississippi State turkey calling champion when he was 16 years old. Today, he's 67 years old. He won that first calling contest with his natural voice. Since that time, he's won the World Turkey Calling Contest, the World Natural Voice Turkey Calling Contest, the World Gobbling Turkey Calling Contest, and he was the world champion natural voice owl hooter. He is the only person to hold five different world titles. He was on the David Letterman Show three times and The Tonight Show with Jay Leno calling turkeys. But of more note than all these accolades, Preston is probably as good a turkey hunter as has ever drawn a breath of air. Here's a clip of Preston in his prime. 
ain't gonna sell that call to you. It's not for sale. For no amount of money. That's my natural voice. Hi, I'm Preston Pittman. I've been blessed that I've held the World Championship several times, the World Natural Voice Calling Championship. But I tell you what, there is nothing in this world that sounds as good as natural voice calling does. So Preston, tell me about when you first started using your natural voice for calling. Well, they, they, they pick on me a little bit, say uh, that when I was hatched on November the 28th of 1953, that when I popped out of my mama and the baby doctor grabbed me by my hind leg and spanked me on the rear end instead of crying, <laughs> is what come out of my mouth. But in all seriousness, being from a family that always hunted and always fished, I guess I couldn't help but hunt. And my dad was not a... Uh, turkey hunter mm. he was a big dog person uh, back whenever we had quail here in the south um and run deer with dogs and we did things together and they used to have an old timey day in a little town by the name of carthage mississippi and at that fourth of july which when it was celebration of uh, our great country they had a turkey calling contest a duck calling contest an axe uh, throwing contest and they had uh, the mississippi state uh duck calling the mississippi state uh championship in turkey calling mm. back when i was about 12 ish i met a gentleman by the name of jack dudley who at that point in time was uh the mississippi state champion wild turkey caller and um he was good enough just on that day to start working with me kind of told me what to do and how to stretch my vocal cords and i'll be dad gum at the end of the day i was I was making a somewhat of a turkey sound. Mm -hmm. And uh, kind of the rest of the story is I had won the fishing rodeo for kids, mm. and I was a year too old. <laughs> so I had already been awarded the plaque, and uh, I had to get the plaque back. And that was okay. I understood. But I just kind of made myself a vow. I said, one day, I'm going to come back and win me a trophy up here. You mm. know, between something, I'm going to be able to do it. But uh, Mr. Dudley would go to some of the sportsman's clubs and do little short seminars. He had a 45 RPM record that I memorized, you know, word for word. And it was on turkey calling. It was on turkey calling. Really? Are there any, any of those left today that you know of? I know what is one I'm at. In your house? Uh-huh. <laughs> and it ain't for sale. <laughs> uh, and at one point in time, I could literally quote it my hello my name is jack dudley and i'm gonna teach you how to turkey call the first call that i'm gonna teach you is gonna be a mating call and this is the way you do a mating call mm. <laughs> you know three yeps <laughs> and two clucks but kind of making a long story short at 16 years old i went back to that same contest and i won and we didn't have youth divisions back then you know it was a calling contest and very few of those and i won the mississippi state championship turkey collar mm. and from there it just went on and on and on and on and on preston act like i've never turkey hunted and give me a good look into the vocalizations of the wild turkey and again this is all just with your natural voice Okay, well, at 67 years old, I have stretched my, my larynx, my vocal cords so much till it's like a rubber band that you laid up on the dashboard of your truck. Yeah. Uh, I can barely yep a little bit, cluck a little bit, purr a little bit, and sometimes gobble. Yeah. So the quality is not there. Too many people, especially 
I'm just going to say it, since podcast and Facebook and YouTube and all that junk, they want to learn how to kiki, run, cackle, slide down, excited hand yips, cutting, yada, 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 yada. No, no. As a beginner, you need to learn one sound and one sound only until you can do it exactly the way that you want to do it every time, and that is the basic hen yip. I will use a human analogy with you. I can take one word and have three very total different meanings. I can go, hey, or I can go, hey, or I can go, hey, and you can Mm. do that all basically with a yelp. Mm. So it's kind of like building a house, build that foundation solid, then start adding a call, then go back and do your foundation. It's calm, it's cool, it's collective, it's peaceful, it's tranquility. Come on in, big boy. I want to date you, okay? Mm-hmm. There can be. That's more of I'm reaching out. I want company. Where are you? Yeah. An assembly call, spring or fall, either way. Yeah. Or speeding it up, speeding the rhythm up, mm-hmm. or acting more excited. Day in, day out, especially on southern birds, then I don't want, unless I know the particular bird or I'm just trying to locate one, I will always revert back to softer, calmer calling. Let me ask you a question. So you you are a natural voice caller, and you're also, you also do incredible diaphragm calls and all kind of other calls, but I'm interested in your natural voice stuff. How much of that was practice? How much of it was natural talent? Okay. Even Mr. Dudley looked at me, he says, son, he says, you're natural. He said, everybody can't do this crap. I'm inhaling there. I'm sucking in. Okay. Which gives you more rasp to her now. And it's not like what it used to be, but it's almost like me saying the word ow. Now get your tongue working. Describe what's happening in your mouth when you make that gobble. I'm sucking air in and I'm mimicking the word. Then I get my tongue to flopping up and down and I will use my cheeks. Watch my cheeks. See how I'm bringing it in? cheeks are moving. And I'm bringing my, 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 my mouth in to get that tail off of the gobble. But anybody and everybody can at least what I call squeak something out. Yeah. Like they can get a, because that's all I'm doing now. I yeah. mean, I've lost it, but. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah. I mean, you can hear the word ow in there. I'll take it out, but I'm over-exaggerating. Ow, 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 ow. Yeah. You can yeah. get a little something. And let me tell you this. Take a group of 100 turkey hunters. Anywhere in the United States, I bet you there aren't over two to five people that can do anything with their natural voice. It's something he has not heard. He is not used to it. A natural voice caller, as far as harvesting a bird, a natural voice caller, and or either a trumpet or wingbone user, Mm. 
will kill some of those that you walk up to the limb and you hang his spurs up on there and he swings back and forth. So you don't do you fall. think natural voice calling gives you an advantage in hunting? There ain't no ifs and buts or doubts. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm basically, I use a little bit of everything now, but my, my go-to call is a diaphragm. That's first, okay? Yeah. But there's a lot of times I'm blowing a diaphragm and just to mix it in, I'm liable to throw my voice to make it sound like another hen coming in and add that little more realism into it. You you told me about adding realism to your calling set and how you Ooh. would used to bark like a squirrel oh, or yes. you would crow. like So you're calling a turkey, so there's a gobbler that okay. you're hearing, you're hen yelping, but then you might bark like a squirrel. Let me tell you what I'm doing. It's, and I'm, I'm basically kind of kenning in on tough turkeys now, okay? Hard birds. Mm. Birds that's, that's call shy. Birds that's been missed with. You know, birds are in that four and older year range bracket. But I heard everything, okay? Then they had the, ki- the kitchen sink thrown at them. Well, I'm fixing to now throw the kitchen sink, the commode, the bathtub, heck, the front door at him. I try to paint a picture. And by that, for y'all turkey hunters out there, what happens whenever a crow gets on birds? He starts raising cane, right? And when a crow's bottom. looking at the turkey. Right. The crow's gonna, looking at you, the turkey. How many times have you been sitting in the woods and have like a little thicket or a blowdown or in between you and your bird? The bird shuts up. Five minutes has gone by, nothing has happened. Ten minutes has gone by, nothing has happened. You hadn't heard anything, but you didn't notice that little thrush that come flying out of that thicket. What made it come flying out? And then 12, 14 minutes later, 15 minutes later, all of a sudden, oh, my God, where'd he come from? There he is in full strut. He's been there the whole time. Mm -hmm. So as I tell people, I see with my ears, because I see more with my ears than I do with my eyes. It's paying attention to the squirrel barking while there's something moving through the woods. And if you will pay attention as to what's going on in Mother Nature, you will automatically step up. Now, if you can add some of those sounds, like when we used to have Bob White Quail, that was one of my favorite things to do, was to sit there and see if I can still do it. Now, I would mix that in with my calling. Mm. Well, Quill are trying to get back together or throw a Bob White at it. You know, the Bob White whistle. Mix it in with your turkey call. Mix it in with your turkey calling. Because that means there's other wildlife there yes. that's at ease. Yes. And so that he's going to think, well, there's quail over there. They're I never could learn a red bird. I wanted to learn a red bird so bad it was pathetic. <laughs> I want to go a little bit deeper with you to the kind of the thing behind the thing. In, in Southern culture, it means something to be able to call with your natural voice. what would, if, if a guy walked into this camp right now and he could owl call like a barred owl, he could gobble like a turkey with his mouth, what would, what would that say to you about his woodsmanship, his hunting prowess? I can answer that very simply and very shortly. I don't want you on my land. <laughs> Because that tells me that is a person who is dedicated, especially if they could do a full range of calls. That tells me that that individual is either one, a kid, Mm. or that is a seasoned outdoorsman. Like I said, stay off my land. I don't want somebody like that in there. (laughs) (laughs) So the barred owl in Mississippi culture. Yes. Where would Preston Pittman owl hoot? Not in a turkey hunting situation. Give, oh, me, an, a, give me an example oh. of why you would owl hoot in your life. Oh, I can tell you that real quick. 
instead of hooping and hollering, whatever it may be, I think probably every contest that I ever won, I did something like this right here. And then I gobble behind it. Uh, you let me get at a football game, which I don't go to a whole bunch of them because I'm in the woods hunting, then uh, I can do that single note, you know, like that. Who are instead yeah. of hollering and screaming and it's 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 my happy holler yeah. is what it breaks down to you know i'm happy yeah uh, or i'm rooting for somebody why do you think we do that because i do the same thing, thing. it's a southern thing <laughs> i mean you gotta eat grits you know what i mean <laughs> don't eat no oatmeal or cream of wheat junk it's a grits thing is what it is uh, it's just a it, it's a southern thing preston i'm uh i think for a southern, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna set you up for something to judge me, okay? Okay. My my assessment of myself, I think I am a average southern owl hooter. Okay. Do you want me to judge you being in a contest, or do you want me to judge you as a hunter? Judge me as a hunter, okay, and then give me the critique of a of a of a contest. But I want I'm gonna owl hoot. And I want you to give me just your honest assessment, okay. and I want you to coach me because let me tell you something. I'm gonna turn my back. To I you. I take a lot of pride in my owl hooting, and I use it all the time. I mean, I I use it. Are as we a still form gonna be friends whenever you leave here? No, no. I want oh, okay. the truth, man. Oh, 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 my sequence you are a very effective owl hooter probably a little better than average okay uh from a competitive standpoint get off the stage uh, okay you ain't gonna hold a candle okay let's be in reliance with you and also too if i had to coach you right now from a hunting purely perspective yes there are so many times when you go into all the different notes that an owl makes yes He's done gobbled once or twice, and you ain't heard him. There you go. So you need a short, like, oh, or even just a hooah. Preston, you've made a lifestyle, a career, and you've dedicated yourself and your personal passion towards not just turkey hunting, but turkey calling. What does turkey hunting mean to Preston Pittman? It's my life. I don't know any other real way to, 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 to put it, but it is, uh, it's a gift that God Almighty gave me who uh, blessed a barely high school educated person that dreamed of being a game warden so I could be out in the outdoors all the time, which, oh, Lord God, mm. it's, it's, it's giving me a dream come true. It's basically what it has. And at 67, I have not lost that passion. Have you, have you ever thought about why? I mean, like you think about a human and what we're here on earth to do, why we're here. Why is turkey hunting so special to you? Remember this. I enjoy all of the outdoors, but there's something about that time of year. It's about sitting there and seeing the beautiful dogwoods come into full bloom. It's about the first buttercups, you know, start to pop up. It's about seeing life come back to the dead woods again. It's about being mesmerized by a spider. It's something about that time of year. It's like 
everything's going to be okay. The winter's over with. It's not cold. And there's life in everything mm. again. You know, what I, what I hear when I hear you talk like this and describe nature in these ways is I hear somebody that's really paying attention and is perceptive and aware and cognizant of detail. And I think that as hunters, we are, we are in a situation where we are trying to fool a part of nature. And so we're having to embed ourselves inside of a system that we're usually not in. You're paying attention to all this stuff. And I think that's a quality that is lost inside of much of modern society because technology, different things, the modern world has taken away our need for that type of awareness. And so just as I hear you describe that, I take it as a personal challenge to be more aware and be more in tune with what's going on around because that just provides this rich palette for what I see inside of you is a man that's passionate, loves what he's doing, appreciative of what he's doing. And that doesn't come by accident. That's real intentional. You know? A human's ability to mimic the wide array of animal sounds is a special part of human uniqueness, and it's embedded itself into our culture. In the South especially, there is cultural value placed on realism, and even higher social status assigned to the people who are proficient at it. A good owl hoot is a reflection of confidence, practice, and natural talent, and carries with it a strong correlation of being a proficient woodsman. It's really unique when you think about it, but we have incorporated, or maybe even hijacked, the language of the barred owl to communicate with other humans a very high level of meaning. That nine-note sequence would take a whole lot of human words to describe what it means. I wonder where else in our lives we do this. Humans are constantly looking for shortcuts in communication to tell others who we are. Much of the time, these messages are our calling card for deeper human relationships, even an owl hoot. These social science questions are highly interesting to me, and they make me more aware of myself and why I do what I do. When I hear somebody owl hoot, I feel a deep connection to them, and I suspect that that's an ancient social mechanism, and I like it. I love it. Maui Nui is on a mission to help balance axis deer populations for the good of our environment, communities, and food systems on the island of Maui. They've shared over 126,000 pounds of nutrient-dense protein with the Maui community. Secure your spot now. Become a snack subscriber and join in helping to build more resilient food and ecosystems on Maui. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I. NUIVenison.com and use promo code BEAR for 20% off your first order. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we've already done right. Maybe you finally organized one part of your space and you want to tackle another. Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast. 
In the last year, I've been more diligent about going to the gym on a regimented schedule, and it's made a lot of difference in my life. Therapy helps you find your strengths so that you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Therapy is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Grease today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Grease.